Lined into left center, and what a play made by the rookie Brian O'Grady. Pitch. Oh, into right field. Brian O'Grady, first big league home run. Fly ball, center field struck well. Marisnik going back at the wall. Gone! Welcome back, Brian O'Grady. And welcome inside episode 91 of Breaking Bats presented by Not For Long Media. My name is Justin Ayers. Uh, and today we are joined by a very special guest. He has not been on these airwaves in quite some time now, but you may remember his name and his voice and his face from the video listeners. Uh, it is Ryan Ripkin. Ryan, it's so great to see you. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks. I mean, how long has it really been, Justin? March or April, I think. <laughs> really? Yes. Wow. Well, I, I'm sorry that it's been so long. I mean, you got a better co-host from when I tried to help. I was there for like four four episodes. You guys are crushing it. But hey, it's just great to be back on. Uh, it always is a blast, though. So I'm glad we could make this work. Exactly. And Kate is here as well. I don't want to downplay Kate being here. No, Kate, how fine. are you? I'm I'm doing fantastic. NLCS on tonight. Game seven. I'm pumped. I'm ready to go dying for the Phillies to win so we shall see I can see. so are you on we'll the, are you on that. the yeah Kate yeah. Are you, so are you you're you're on the Phillies you want the Phillies to win tonight I think Rangers Phillies would be a fantastic matchup so I'm I'm rooting for the Phillies Whoa. I know I think we might have to we got we got some we got some things to talk about I'm excited yeah. about this Justin does it change your guys's mind at all that Chris Mad Dog Russo said he would retire on the spot if the Diamondbacks win Game Seven, actually, <laughs> now that you now that I say Why it, it snakes alive. It's all. It's all we'll say. I, I would love to see what happens. Uh, you know, if, if he actually lives up to that word, because yeah. I I do don't see that. I don't envision him quitting. I also think, by the way, I don't know if you guys saw that segment on ESPN and, and admitted that he's like, yeah, I just bet 10 grand and then popped a gummy or before or after whatever that was. He, he's a, he's a character, but yes. Phillies Rangers would be the dream, but the D backs are hot. Hopefully we'll find out soon enough. Um, but I'll tell you what, I've been so happy with the championship series, by the way, like this turned out to be, especially after the first two games of each series, I'm going, man, this is just the Phillies and Rangers are rolling, but the D-backs and Astros made it really entertaining for, for the baseball fans. You know, the Orioles being out, which was disappointing, but just enjoying baseball, was, loved it. It was yeah. the best. Uh, we have a lot of ALCS talk uh, because as you were listening to this, you know the outcome already of the NLCS. We do not. However... Uh, before we get into that, we wanted to give a shout out to two quick apparel sponsors, Fuel Hunt and Shoreboy Clothing Company. Check them out, fuelhunt.com, shoreboy.co. Uh, all right, let's get into it because the ALCS wrapped up last night. The Rangers are headed to the World Series for the first time since 2011. A lot of juicy storylines came out of this seven-game series. I love that it went seven. It was the best. It was The last game was, it was intense when it started and then it quickly got out of hand for the Astros, but... Uh, Ryan, I wanted to start with Brian Abreu. This is a big topic of conversation because during game five, he, of course, plunked Adolis Garcia, benches cleared, ejections. He got a two-game suspension, but not until next year. 
because Adal- he hit Adalis after he hit that big home run. Um, when you saw that situation unfold where Adalis got plunked and it was the first pitch of the next at-bat, did you know immediately it was on purpose? No. I mean, it, is it confirmed, by the way? Have, have I been under a rock? Did Abreu been like, yep, I was trying to drill him? No. I don't. No, it hasn't been confirmed. That. No, it's so not. In a four, so, okay, in my mind, in a 4-2 to two game, you're going to go, hey, I'm going to put it right in your ribs. In, in, in a decisive game, by the way, which, if I'm not mistaken, that was also the game Altuve went yard and the Astros won the game, right? Yes. And Garcia got ejected, I think, after that. Am I, is my mind remember? Yes. Okay, so my mind's still working. I, I, I could. I have a kid. I got a photographic memory on on moments throughout my life. Specifically, if you want to know about baseball games in the minor leagues, say like in April, um, on like an O2 count, I could tell you that too. But I, I didn't. The whole Brave situation to me. I didn't think it was intentional, and if it was, it was stupid because you're in such a pivotal part of the game. Your season's still on the line. But the thing, if the if the MLB is going to suspend him, then you're saying you want to make a point, but then you're not going to suspend him for the postseason. I just thought it was – if you're going to suspend him, it should have been for the postseason. But to me, the two-game suspension to start the season is nothing. You probably wouldn't even pitch the first two games. Like To me, it was nothing at all. Um, but I guess it adds to the drama, right? That's theatrics fired up Garcia to say the least. It definitely did. It unleashed the beast. Uh, Kate, what did you think about the whole Adolis Abreu situation? Because I knew, I knew immediately this just might be my baseball acumen speaking, but I knew that was on purpose. Well, it's funny, Justin, because I, we were texting during the game and I said, intentional question mark. And you said a hundred percent. And then I'm going, wow, really? You think runners on first and second, nobody out, you're going to put Garcia on? But the thing is, I, looking back on it now, and also I watched, shout out John Boy, because his breakdown was fantastic on the entire situation. If you look, immediately when they hit Garcia, he turned to Malnado, and it looked like his face was like, this was definitely intentional. But if you looked at Malnado's face, he was kind of like, no, no, like really, I don't want to, I don't want to go there with you. And obviously the history of the two teams this year, there have been a lot of hitting each other. So at first I kind of said, oh yeah, probably intentional. They've had a history of hitting one another. But looking back on it now and then looking at all of the post-game interviews after, like Justin Verlander came out and said, I'm, you know, not happy that he pimped the home run, but it was the biggest home run of his career. Of course he should go out and stare at it and flip the bat and giddy before he touches home plate. But after the fact, I, I don't think it was intentional. And I do agree with Ryan because, again, we saw last night Abreu facing Garcia and everyone's going, I'm just confused. Now all the baseball fans are going, I'm confused what happened because now the entire situation is happening again. And it's almost just like a delayed reaction on MLB's part to push it back to next year, which, by the way, is against the New York Yankees at Minute Maid first two games of the regular season, which will be interesting. It's always the Yankees connection. It's always the Yankees. Uh, yeah, all roads lead back to the Yankees. Uh, I mean, like, it just made sense. Like, I didn't, like, the game situation, the game flow, It like, you could throw that all out the window because, yeah, Garcia stood there and watched this gigantic home run. You knew when he hit that home run and stood, th- stood there and did the whole theatrics, you're like, all right, Houston doesn't like this. And then the very first pitch, not even a curveball to try to hide it, fastball right in there, right in his grill. Yeah, of course it was all purpose. 
I think I think even on the broadcast, John Smoltz was like, oh, well, I, I wouldn't have hit him here. I would have waited yeah. for this to happen next year. I mean, like, yeah, but, like, these guys are human too. I don't know. I Ryan, what do you look for to determine if something was intentional or not? Like, well, is it is it game flow? Is it the type of pitch? Like, have you been involved in a situation that is, you know, guys are getting plunked? Yeah, I mean, I almost got a situation where I had a ball right at my head twice, uh, and that was be that was I I had a sense it was coming, but not because of me. It was the guy in front of me flew out to the warning track, pimped a ball. It was in short. Talk about Kate, this memory that I have. Uh, you don't forget these moments too either. But it was it, we were playing at Penn State at the time, so uh, State College is the Cardinals short season team with Auburn Double Days, the Nationals short season team. Uh, our player before he flies out to the warning track, him and the pitcher start jawing at each other. And I'm up next. And I could tell he was mad. I, and the thing was, I knew the pitcher too. So I was like, well, maybe he's just got a problem there and we'll let that be. I get a ball right over my head. And I'm like, okay, maybe it's a little bit out of control. Then he throws another one, knocks me on my ass. And he just stares at me. He doesn't say a word. And that was the end of it. And I see him out after the game. And he's all trying to be buddy buddy, and I'm like, "Don't you buddy buddy me right now?" Um, and he go, "Long story short, I said, you do that again, I'm gonna whoop your ass." And and that was it. It was it was a line of saying specifically. This is what really set me off. I know it's a little off topic, but he says, "Oh, I if I wanted to hit you, I would have." And it goes, I know exactly where it's going. I go, really? So why were there runners on base? Did you mean for them to hit the ball? Was that, would you pitch it where you wanted to? Don't give me that bullshit. I said, if you were to go and hit me, go for the, go for the, the back, the, I don't rather not the ribs, but the meaty part, don't go head hunting. I hate that for the game though. Specifically players do hold, can get uh can have grudges players can be ticked off you can be people can be pissed it can come from managers too i mean even old school ways if a manager had a problem even if it was the circumstance of the game would suggest hey don't it's too close don't do it some managers or players take it into their own hands and say no no i want this to happen i just don't to me it's stupid especially in the playoffs because imagine this imagine garcia you put him on and the Astros came back and won that game. Imagine Garcia's position. He scores. And granted, it's all the what ifs, but I have heard of moments and seen moments where your aggression or the intentional design ended up screwing the team. And that's the part for me where I think it's stupid because as much as your emotions are there and you're mad or you feel a certain way, you your goal is to what justin what is your goal when you're in the playoffs win 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 a world series why why are you playing the entire season to to hope in the playoffs that your emotion for one batter you plunk them that could cost you a chance at a world series to me that's where my mind goes of 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 what's at stake but i can't sit here and, and wholeheartedly tell you that everyone thinks that way because clearly there could have been some intent behind that um but i guess we'll never fully know never know yeah it's it's just crazy they have to wait until next year for him to serve the suspension yeah that was the part that was a little weird it was like all right well if you're gonna suspend it like you said just like all right get it over the way get it out of the way and he comes back in, in game seven last night he, he hit jonah heim but i think that one was legit just a coincidence um yeah so yeah, uh garcia though unleash the beast 
because last night, game seven, four for five, two homers, almost had three, by the way, almost had three, uh, five RBIs. Like Nathaniel Lowe put this really, really good meme up on his story today. It was like the F round and find out. But do you think that was like the classic example of like a guy who just went nuclear off of raw emotions? They weren't losing this game because Garcia's putting the team on his back. I just think it was a design of it was a player that was so locked in. And if you're if you've ever done, it doesn't have to be an athlete, anything that you've ever done, when you are in the zone, nothing can stop you. I don't care what else is happening. I was even thinking about this before. Not that I go and play to the casino and play blackjack a ton, but it's like when you're feeling lucky, you're gonna keep you're gonna keep going there, right? You're gonna keep every move's hitting the right way. You got a, a seven, you get an 18 or something, you need a three and you hit and you get a 21. You're probably sitting there, nothing can go wrong, right? And I know that might not be the best example, but for Garcia, though, it just felt like the whole postseason, when he stepped up to the plate, he just felt and knew he was gonna have success. And I mean, he did. He did against the Orioles. I mean, he put the exclamation point on any chance of the Orioles trying to force a game four. Um, and then obviously in game seven, you need your superstars to step up. And he stepped up. He, I mean, that's putting it lightly. He put the team on his back. Didn't he outscore the Astros? Didn't he have five ribbies in the in the game seven? Yeah. Nuts. But that's what it takes. I want to say one thing about Garcia real quick. People might not like his antics, whatever you want to say. I love this story. The fact that you get to the majors with the Cardinals, then you get DFA'd. Then you get traded for cast considerations. Then you get DFA'd again. again. And what do you do instead of thinking maybe, oh, woe is me, or maybe my opportunity's gone? You keep grinding. You keep working. And all of a sudden, you become an all-star. And then you're an all-star again this season. And now you're an ALCS MVP and you're a huge reason why your team is going to the World Series and you're going to have a chance to live out a dream. And I think that that part's outside of baseball. It's like, hey, when shit hits the fan, how do you react? Garcia reacted. And I think that his adversity helped pave the way for him to be when these moments came around. He already went through the tough times. Now he's going to try to embrace it. And boy, did he embrace it. I like that. Kate, do you think not enough people are aware of Adolis Garcia's superstardom? Because I like that word. He is a superstar. Because if you look at the last three years, he's basically been 30 and 100 every single year. And I think up until this playoffs, 99% of people had no idea who he was. Well, yeah, absolutely. And even if you looked at the start, everyone's saying, you know, Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon, they're just going to carry them throughout the playoffs. And I feel like in terms of Garcia, it was just that nobody was really paying mind to him as much. And I also think to Ryan's point, like he's the type of player that's saying like, oh, you're not going to pay me any attention well watch I'm gonna force you to pay attention to me I also think there's a lot of similarities with people that just shine in the postseason but also back to the Abreu point like we saw what happened with Bryce Harper when Arcia made the comments and I feel like it was very similar with Garcia as well he thinks Abreu threw at him and he's like you know what I'm just gonna come back even stronger now and you can't it's funny like Derek Jeter said this on Flippin' Bats podcast last week you can't like teach someone how to succeed in the postseason. Like you could have all the talent in the world, but just some players succeed so much better under the bright lights than others kind of like fold under pressure. What did you make of it? Uh, well, I, I think you're right about the point about there's, there's playoff stars that come in unlikely places like David yeah. freeze, like 
that was the highlight of his career was the the playoffs with the Cardinals. And there's guys throughout like you, everybody has these names in their mind of guys that didn't really do a lot in the regular season, or maybe they did, but just didn't get the recognition. But like Travis Ishikawa, 2014 Giants, like guys that got people have never heard of, but when the lights are brightest, there's something ingrained in them that's like, yeah, I'm just gonna go ball out, send the Giants to the World Series, whatever. Um, I love Garcia. I saw I got to see him play this year, not to brag, went down to Texas, got to see uh the Rangers play. Uh, I've heard nothing but great things. I also heard he's a great locker room guy. Like, I read a piece in The Athletic about it. Just, like, everybody loves him. Always got a smile on his face. Um, so, yeah, I'm all in. I want to go out and stock up on Adolis Garcia stuff now because, may- okay, so maybe the staring at the pitches was a little long. There was a point I was like, all right, dude, you- you've been there for, like, five minutes. Let's let's get it, move on. Um, but I'm all in. Uh, Ryan, I had a question for you, though. Because you mentioned the Cardinals, and I'm so glad you brought up Adolis's background of just like DFA'd cash, DFA'd again by the Rangers. Should the Cardinals get more grief for how many great players they've let walk out the door? Oh, I was, about, I was just about to say, you know, another player that's that has shown up in the playoffs too and is also a superstar well, is Randy Rosarina for the Rays. Talk about a guy that also shows his personality when he plays in the field. And by the way, I'll just say this. I'm fine with guys. They want to, you want to talk to talk, walk the walk, but just be aware that not everyone is going to like your talk or your walk. And so that's what you got to be careful. And you could say that's old school or not. That's just in anything. People are going to hold that. You got to be careful who you're dealing with. But anyway, for the Cardinals, an organization that has been so stable for so long, this is the first year really that, that I can remember that was probably their most unsuccessful and just flat out disappointing because even on paper, their team was good this year. And then it's, it's just icing on the cake to me that the two guys that they let go, because every team has it, by the way, I think that's the one part to say like, you know, Kate, I'm sorry because I know you're a Yankees fan here. Aaron Hicks left New York and he did not look like that Aaron Hicks playing for the Yankees. And I know, I know that that made you feel Great seeing him just have success in Baltimore. Yep. But that, that's my example, right? So I, I don't blame the Cardinals for that. You make a decision, you live with it. And uh, the Orioles had those as well. You know, Mike Ustremski left Baltimore, went to San Francisco, became an all-star, right? The the Orioles had to make a decision. And, and that's just how it works. I think more so for the Cardinals was it felt like it was supposed to still be their division, maybe with Milwaukee. And now you're having this conversation of, well, where, where do they stand? Because the Cubs are better. Brewers are better. I don't know what the card Arenado and Goldschmidt aren't getting younger. And so I think that's where that next wave and also Jordan Montgomery safe to say, talk about stepping up in the postseason. He might've been the best trade acquisition at the deadline to be honest so that that's what i think i mean yeah i think that's all i think I it's starting outfield you can make a very good all-star starting outfield with the guys the cardinals let go because you could throw lane thomas in there too that's uh, right i played against lane too by the way the guy can hit it he can swing it um good good guy too quiet but yeah it makes it makes you wonder a little bit more right it doesn't feel good when you throw out those names Zach Allen, Sandy Alcantara, Jordan Montgomery. Um, we we could do this all. Day. Although we, the, you're right, the Orioles do have a lot of names that we could just l- rattle off, like Yastrzemski, Arietta. So yeah, Arietta, 
Oh, Ariana <laughs> Gosman. Uh, yeah, Gosman. <laughs> gr- granted, Gosman, it took a few places to get going. And here's the crazy thing, too. And then the Orioles benefited. The Miami Marlins released Felix Batista in the minors. Yep. They're like, yep, no thanks. And then it took Felix Batista seven years to get past a ball. He's pretty good. He's a he's a pretty he's a pretty good pitcher. So that that's the part where it really is where I tell people it's it's a lottery when it comes to finding out what you have. And it you might not hit the lottery on the first time either. And I think that's why you hear these stories of where these guys come from. I can't believe they let this guy go. It's because teams have to make a decision. And if they come to that decision and it's not working out, they're gonna move on. And for the Orioles, Kevin Gosman was a guy. It wasn't working, so you moved on. It didn't work in Atlanta, so he moved on. It took him a while. The only thing that sinks is that you wish it could have been in Baltimore because he did blossom into being one of the best pitchers. So that's that's what it is. Kate, do you have you have a player that you felt like got away from the Yankees? Uh, we talked about some Orioles. Is there the one that got away? Donaldson. Please. No, not it's not. It's definitely not Josh Donaldson. I will say that I found a lot of players just succeed. Honestly, one that you just brought up, Jordan Montgomery, the fact that they traded him last deadline, this entire postseason, that one has really stung. Also, Sonny Gray was god-awful on the Yankees, and he did phenomenally for the Twins. So I don't know if it's a New York thing, but I feel like it's a common trend where they are not good on the Yankees, and they go to another team, and they just succeed. So although Jordan Montgomery was good on the Yankees, they just didn't deem him a postseason pitcher which is the irony right now is the sounding <laughs> wait yeah. was that actually they didn't think of him as a big game postseason pitcher brian cashman at the deadline last year said we don't see him in the rotation for the postseason which is why we're going to go get harrison bader who's currently not on the yankees roster it's great it's fun it's a full circle yeah. moment you're not you're not bitter at all no never. no bitterness never never i'm the optimistic yankees pr woman <laughs> <laughs> Jordan Montgomery, uh, South Carolina, go Cox. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you know, I, I, t- I did tell you, Justin, him and I were, he was there. I was there, uh, my freshman year and he was there and, um, quiet guy, but man, I'll tell you what, he was deceptive then. And of all, of all the pitchers of talented guys, Jordan doesn't throw the hardest, but he knew how to pitch. And as a lefty, there's just something with his delivery that was also funky and hard to pick up. But those are the ones that can scare you the most is because they have to learn to pitch in order to get out. Not the guys that you throw 103 and then you figure it out and you're like, well, it makes sense why you throw that hard. Jordan learned how to pitch. And I think that's what helped him a lot this postseason specifically is that he learned how to pitch. He figured out himself and then he became so good with his game plans. And then once you have that confidence of what you're doing, it's uh you can do some things that are pretty spectacular and he has now he didn't have his best start against the Orioles per se but in every other moment he did his job and he did it extremely well I love that I wanted to stick with Rangers pitching because Mad Max Scherzer he only pitched two and a third two and two thirds in game seven but I saw him stalking around the mound I saw him in the dugout looking possessed I had a thought cross my mind of just like you know he didn't have his best stuff but are, is the is the generation of like big game pitcher bulldog psychopath like are 
is that a dying breed in Major League Baseball, you think? Because I don't know how many other guys are out there like Mad Max stalking around and and not letting people talk to him. Well, there are more people like that, I, I will say. There are, there are some very intense individuals, but Mad Max, he is who he is because of, of some of those traits and characteristics. You know, and and maybe that's that's just a part of how he focuses in. Yeah, I don't say I wouldn't say that because I'd say Verlander for the most part he goes about his business his own way. Now, granted, obviously didn't turn out as well, but I mean his pedigree speaks for himself. I don't know. I don't know how to fully. I think there is there are guys, but they might not be as. I don't want to say not as. Um, content provoking you know as as mad max like you know and i remember even him throwing live bps on the backfields in spring training where you felt like it was the world series where he's just dialed in i think i remember the time i wasn't even in on this but someone else was hitting and i think got a hit and he's like get the fuck back in there and he's like okay and the guy got back in and then max struck him out and then he's like again and he got back in and struck him out again and um Again, that that was a story that um, that stuck with me. With that one specifically, I decided to keep going. But a guy told me later, he's like, "Yeah, uh, Max just kept bringing him back in." And uh, that, but that that type of intensity, I don't know if you're to have that on on a consistent basis. But that's what makes him great. Honestly, you know, it's it's special now. Are we going to see that greatness in the postseason? I mean, guys, I mean, Kate, you guys can tell me. I don't think personally he's trying his best, but I think he's just going to be so limited because I do think he is still pretty banged up. I think this is just your, this might be his last shot in his mind to win a World Series. So why not give it everything he got? Yeah. Yeah. I think he's sorry. I forgot. I'm allowed to curse on here, by the way, right? Yes. 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 Awesome. Uh, <laughs> that's a fantastic. Every time I have somebody on associated with the Nationals or any team he's been on, we are like, all right, Mad Max stories. And they're always just like backfield spring training, doing bunting drills. Like Will Crow was like, this guy's like, this guy's crazy. Like he's, he's taking it way too seriously, trying yeah. to bunt balls into a bucket. Uh, it's yeah, he's, he's built different. I think he had a quote. He said, you gotta want these, you gotta want the ball in these situations when the time rises and the pressure is on all the chips in the table, you gotta want to go out there. And I'm just like, you don't see too many guys like that with the way that bullpens and, and you know, analytics and short rest. Mad Max is, he wants the ball in these big games and he has, it's his fifth game, fifth start in a postseason winner take all. And he's, his team has won four of those starts. I mean, this, this is rarefied air for Mad Max. And you're right. It is a little sad because his body is deteriorating rapidly. So uh, enjoy it while we can. We interrupt this episode to bring you a word from the official sponsor of Not For Long Media and the Breaking Bats podcast, the original Fudge Kitchen. It is a staple of the Jersey Shore with six locations in Cape May, Wildwood, North Wildwood, Stone Harbor, and Ocean City. The original Fudge Kitchen makes all of their fudge in-store guaranteeing a delicious product, so stop by and let them know that Not For Long Media and Breaking Bats sent you. Check them out online at fudgekitchenswithans.com as they are shipping fudge and sweet treats all across the country. Now back to the episode. Yeah. And I think even... Yeah, you're no, right. sorry. I was just going to say the like bulldog mentality with Scherzer, I feel like with a lot of the younger pitchers coming up, like there was the example this year, uh, it was George Kirby on the Mariners who 
said, you know, I wouldn't have, I didn't want to go out for the seventh inning. And I feel like someone like a Max Scherzer or a Justin Verlander or Garrett Cole would never say that or even like think that. I feel like with Max, he's going to say, you know, I'll go two innings, I'll go three innings, I'll go four innings. And obviously he's still coming back from injury. But again, to Ryan's point, like with the Rangers pitching depth, I feel like they're going to have to use him to go really as much as he can for the World Series. Yeah, I was going to say, Kay, that you brought up Garrett Cole, and it is, and I know I'm sorry, you know, the Yankees, it's a lot of things for the Yankees always have the expectation that still baffles me that the Orioles and the Yankees have won the same amount of divisional titles since 2009. Is that right? Or something like that? Yeah. Or whatever, or not 2000. It might be 2012. Something like that. Like something in the Yankees. Yeah, around that. Yeah. Yeah. Yan- Yankees fans, I know, don't like that stat, but. <laughs> And I know that Garrett Cole, Garrett Cole can be put under a lot of pressure, but the dude's a stud. Like he yeah. really is. And that was a guy as a baseball fan. And I just want you to touch on that. Like that, that was a guy I, I would put him in that category of he would do as much criticism as he got in New York. He would do anything to go out there and, and win. And, and for the most part, he did. And like even last year, it was the ALDS. I think it was like game four or five. He he pitched game one and he was warming up in the bullpen. He goes, "Yeah, nope. If if you need me, I'm I'm coming out for the division series." I'm like, "Nope, please let's let's just save his arm." But yeah, there are some guys that just consistently want the ball. Even Jordan Montgomery yesterday, like the fact that he came out of the pen after pitching a couple of days ago, it's just it's very impressive to me. I like that. Yeah, I like the George Kirby example too. I feel like that's a great contrast between Scherzer and him. It's just like there's two yeah. different breeds of people. They're they're wired wiredly differently. Um, I, I wanted to talk about the Rangers rebuild because I've seen a lot of scuttlebutt online lately about because in 2021, the Rangers lost 101 games. They hit like 230 as a team. They had one starter with an ERA under four and a half. It was really bad. And then you fast forward to now and they, you know, went to they're going to the World Series this year. I've seen some people taking shots at them because they spent all this money in free agency. Semien, Seeger, 500 mil combined. Should we look at the way the Rangers have like rebuilt themselves any differently because they've spent so much money? Or are these people all just jealous that their free agent acquisitions didn't work out as well? Well, <laughs> I think it's a combination. I would think that if you're looking at teams that spent money, last year they spent money, didn't work out as well, but you're a Padres or Mets fan, you would have thought that this was this was the year, you know, and boy, was it not the year. So for Texas, though, I think what's actually honestly more impressive to me is that the biggest signing that they probably had besides Corey Seager also was supposed to be my roommate at South Carolina, by the way. Fun fact. And he decided to, to get drafted in the first round. And I never then met him and he signed and like made 300 million plus dollars. Like, I guess good decision. Um, but Jacob DeGrom was the big get and he missed the rest of the season. You know, like we didn't even get to see a Jacob DeGrom impact for the Rangers down the road. So I, 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 that's where I lean. And Kate, what do you think? Yeah, I think honestly, I don't like when people say they're criticizing them for spending money. Like, I think it just shows that spending money for them worked that year. And even like I saw someone tweeted out, um, like a video of the Rangers celebrating yesterday. It's like, wow, they're celebrating like they won the World Series. I'm like, if you look at this team last year and the year before, yeah, they're the AL champions. Of course they should be celebrating like this. And I feel like it's just a lot of people not realizing how much they've grown throughout the past 
just two seasons, like two seasons, they went out and spent all this money, but they, you know, Avaldi worked out, Seager worked out. And then even DeGrom, like, can you even imagine this Rangers pitching rotation with Jacob DeGrom? It would, it would be a lock for the world series. So I, I commend them for spending money and for it all working out in the end. Justin, what do you got? Oh, well, I was, I was having this, this all the, the, you know, the origins of this, I was texting a friend of mine about like who we're going to root for in the playoffs because all of our teams are out Cubs fan, Orioles fan, whatever. Also, I have 10 other teams. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, you have plenty of teams. What are you talking about? I have the Rangers pennant over here. I can bring it out. Um, But Uh, he was just, I was like, dude, I'm going all in on the Rangers. I was like, I love them. They're the way that they turned it around so quickly. It's a great story. Great underdog story. He's like, they can't be an underdog when they spent $800 million in free agency and they didn't build their team the right way. And I'm just like, I feel like people get jaded by success, especially success like the Rangers have had. Like, I think most people just get jealous or blinded by like, oh, they're just like the Yankees and Dodgers. They just spend whatever. They just buy teams. They didn't do it organically. These aren't the Rangers guys that are homegrown. And I'm just like, I feel like that's a wrong way to to view success in baseball. Like, yeah, not everybody can be Tampa and spend $67 million and have all this, have all these games. Like sometimes if you have the resources and you're in a giant market like Dallas, like, yeah, why not go spend a little money on people? Like, I don't know that, that just made me mad. And I, I saw some people online like, Oh, okay, cool. They spent some money. Big deal. Like, I don't know that, that bothered me. Yeah. Hey, the other part too, okay. You brought up that people were saying that they're celebrating like they won the world series. I brought this up with, uh, with Colin when I, when I went on his show recently, you guys growing up, you know, how many things did you win or, or sports, you know, titles, anything? No, no. one. <laughs> okay. So yeah. zero and one, yeah. not a lot of winning for you guys personally. I'm sorry. Um, for me in high school, once I got into high school, I won a basketball championship my senior year. And then I won a, state championship for baseball as well uh conference championship when my sophomore year and i we had really good teams for both basketball and baseball and i never won another one there then i get into juco or south carolina and juco i don't win there and then my only other time that i had a chance at postseason baseball was in double a in 2019 so my whole career i had that many chances to win that many chances you hope to win and you don't so that's why guys celebrate because you sacrifice so much time and effort to hopefully reach a goal where more likely than not, you're not going to, but it's the dream. And when you work so damn hard, you're going to celebrate it. That's why the Phillies are dancing on their own and going ballistic. And I could watch that video on repeat in the clubhouse when the music goes off and then they're singing it word for word and they go nuts is because you literally put your body and your mind through everything just just to experience what winning can feel like. So that's why they do it. That's why you pop champagne so much because you have to what? If Correct me if I'm wrong. Wild card, you have to win if you're in it. Wild card division, ALCS or Championship Series, World Series, you have to win four times. Yeah. That's, that is a grind to get to that point. And, and it's, what, 180 then games maybe? Of, of baseball like holy shirts and pants that's why you pop bottles man it's it, and truly it never gets old i could do that every single day if i if i really could like that's the only reason if i wanted to get back into coaching that right there so i could just pop bottles all night long i like that there should be a shark tank company of, of that you just like 
just pop bottles. Just like you get yeah. to rent a room instead of like a, one of those rooms where you smash stuff with a bat. It's just like tarps and champagne. Like I would do that in a heartbeat. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy though that like for the Astros, this is like par for the course. Is this their this is their seventh ALCS they've been to in a row, right? Is that right? Yeah. Seven. Seven. That's yeah. that's such a long sustained success in this league. And I was reading an article, I think it was on Bleacher Report. It's just like, is this the last dance for the Astros in 2024? Because Verlander's 41, Altuve and Bregman are in the last year of their deals. Dusty's already gone. So it's like, do you do you foresee this this seven year run of ALCSs? Do you see this coming to an end in Houston? You know, I got asked this on 105.7 The Fan when I had my call in. Is What does Houston do? I feel like every year after Houston had success in the last two to three years, it's been, well, when are they going to start the rebuild now? The, the moment's passing. And then that next season goes on and they're still in it. And then the next season goes on, they're still in it. And for this season specifically, going into it, everyone's like, well, it's going to be hard. Verlander's not coming back. And obviously he got traded. You're going, okay, well, we're going to see what happens. Texas is supposed to be really good, which they were. Seattle's going to take that jump. And what's Houston do? They win the division again. You know, so I don't know exactly. I will say, though, they're going to have to figure out what they want to do with their nucleus. Altuve is still playing at a high level. So is Bregman. Then you have Alvarez and Tucker are the guys, the young younger pieces that, you know, maybe you feel like could stay. But a lot of money you're gonna have to pay players and i don't know where they're gonna stand so i think that that time i'd probably say in the next two years it might be the changing of the guard to be honest but if they kept their group together there's no reason to count them out this next year and okay you probably have a different feeling on the astros maybe with you know everything in the history of the yanks but i mean i think it's still safe to say though can say they cheat you can hate them all you want they've been the best team in the american league the last seven years yeah no i have to agree and if you even think about their lineup so consistent all year to your point everyone was saying oh maybe the mariners maybe the rangers they come out they win the division and honestly i think their rotation is going to need help like so they can go out and get more starting pitching maybe another arm for the bullpen but in terms of offense like i i think if they just again keep the core bregman Tucker, um, Jordan, and then Altuve, they're kind of set. Would I love them to go into a rebuild? Yeah. Sell them all. Sell them all. Go into a rebuild. Come back in a couple of years. Let us have our older guys on the Yankees take the ALCS. But I, I do agree. I think two, three years, they're they're still going to be in it. And then they'll have to you know go back into the rebuild. But it'll be interesting, too, considering this is Dusty's last year. So whoever yeah. you know, comes in. And it's going to be like up to them and management what they end up wanting to do with that. Yeah, exactly. Change into the guard. The rotation does need help, though. They a lot of guys hurt. Um, Ryan, you mentioned something that was interesting. And I wanted to touch briefly on this. It's just like we had Brian on, and he's, we're talking about how home runs are the winners in the postseason. Like seventy percent of the runs scored run home runs. I think in the in the divisional round. I think this is the year of like middle relief and home runs because everything I see is just like starters are going four and two thirds max. Then the rest of the game, you need like three, four, five shutdown relievers. Like, is this just par for the course? Or do you think that this is going to be the beginning of like, hey, let's just go out and pay middle relievers again. Make middle relievers great again. Yeah. <laughs> make make middle relievers great again. Well, hey, I don't, I don't, I think starters are still going to get a lot of money. I don't know if they're going to switch it, but I think the appreciation is back for it. Being a middle relief guy, 
kind of sucks if, if I'm going to be completely honest, mainly because you sometimes have to eat it. You have to eat the innings when things aren't going well, and then that hurts your numbers. And then on the flip side of it, you're like, hey, come into a big situation, and if you have some struggles there, you or or you do well, okay, well, that's your job. You're supposed to do that. So you don't get the glory of being a setup guy or a closer. You're just kind of going in there doing the job that needs to be done. But to your point, that's really been a big story is if a starter's been hit early, how can you rebound? And I actually looked at that game too, the Orioles and Rangers. I believe it was Cody, was it Cody Bradford, I believe, came in. I, for, I forget, it was a lefty. And for me, he was the un, unsung hero of the game because he he came in, I think, through three, three or four scoreless innings for the Rangers and kept the Orioles away. And they kept trying to fight back. But that's a guy that no one talks about because, let's just face it, the offensive power of the Rangers was the the storyline so i'm with you I, I just don't know if it'll be a big shift but the team that's able to if you can keep your team in the hunt keep them in the fight and that's what kept houston in the fight they were able to stay in it because of their relief pitching so you stay in the fight good things can happen my favorite middle reliever from this year josh spores from the rangers mm. five and a half era in the regular season one era in the postseason every mm. night he pitched basically it's this is it's crazy. Middle relievers are, it's, it's back in vogue to be a middle reliever. Um, all right, a couple last quick things before we run out of time here. Uh, the Padres managerial search. Bob Melvin out. He's going to San Francisco, going back to the Bay Area. It's either Mike Schilt or Ryan Flash Flaherty. Um, what, they could either go a couple directions with a Schilt, you know, the veteran established, he's, he's managed before, or you could just do first-time manager again, which the Padres have done unsuccessfully a couple times before this. How do you see that playing out in San Diego? And what do you think is needed for a locker room full of superstars? Well, I think for Flash, I would love to see him get the opportunity. It'd be really cool. He's a great person. And, and I think he will be a great manager. The only conversation that would be had is with all the superstars and being a young manager and the pressure, even though San Diego, quote unquote, not a big market, the, the baseball world is going to be magnified on the Padres as long as they have that lineup and as long as they have those players. So that's the one thing I am concerned about in the sense of is Flaherty going to be able to handle all of that? And if things go wrong that maybe are out of his control, is that going to be, you know, a strike against him? So I think the Padres are really going to have to look in the mirror, but they did just have a veteran manager where things didn't work out. So maybe you shake it up. If you have someone that you think brings life and excitement to a young group, then why not? I mean, you we saw it in Baltimore as far as he'd been there for a few years, but Brandon Hyde stayed through some tough times and the 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 guys love him, you know? So if Flaherty has that love from the players, I think that that would uh that would be as far as the new face. I know I'm mentioning Flaherty a lot. I, I just, I, I really do think he has a chance to be a really great manager. Um, but that's going to be the question the Padres are going to have to answer. I'm a flash guy through and through. Yeah. Flaherty's been my guy. I think he would do great. Uh, yeah. Well, let's change the vibes. Up. Let's get flash in there. Guys, guys like him. He's probably the Manny Machado whisperer as long as they've known each other. So <laughs> um, maybe he could be the one to navigate them through, through the, uh, the locker room tension there. Um, all right, before we get out of here, let's do some predictions that will be uh, null and void within the next three hours. So who's going to win the – Kate, we'll start with you. Who's going to win the NLCS, and who's going to win the World Series? All right, we're going Phillies are winning the NLCS, and I'm – I've 
if the Phillies win tonight, I've predicted every single series correctly. So I really need to be careful. But I think Phillies. Okay. Wow. Your reputation's on the line here. I, I My like reputation leg- is literally on the line. That's a legacy pick. Thank uh, you. <laughs> Ryan, what about you? Predictions that will be null and void in three hours. Well, I... I do think Philly wins, but and for the longest time I was thinking it was going to be Philly, but give me Texas. I think Texas, yes. something's going on with them. I don't know what it is, but I think Bochy's got that magic as well. They're playing at an extremely high level, and if, if they can win on the road in Philly then, if it's them or Arizona, whoever it is, I think that they're going to continue to hit. That's the best lineup to me that, that would, and they, that's going to be the difference. So give me Give me the Rangers to finally take it home. It's a Rangers year. I've predicted <laughs> this. I've always been on the Rangers. I've never said anybody else would win the World Series. Um, don't don't cross. Don't check that. I have been on the Rangers all year, um, and we will continue to ride that wave to a, their first World Series of franchise history. So uh, straight up Texas. I don't know what other rallying cries they have, but it'll be so much fun to watch Nathaniel Lowe hoist the World Series trophy. Great guy. Um, okay, Ryan, this has been fantastic. Thank you, as always, for coming back on the podcast. Welcome back anytime. Uh, you, you have a lot of stuff going on that I would love for you to, to quickly promote. It's the Ryan Ripkin Show. It's give, give me the rundown. Well, so Ryan Ripkin Show on the YouTube channel. Good to have the All Script with Rip podcast, which I started last year, but I'm ramping up to do season two, just trying to do things right, right? So, But everything's going to be on, on Ryan Ripkin Media on my YouTube page. That's where you can look it up, at Ryan Ripkin Media. I'm on Twitter, X, or whatever you talk, or whatever the kids say. I'm on all of those, X, um, TikTok, and Instagram. But really, I just love love talking sports, specifically if you have a lot of baseball questions. I've been around the game a lot. I would love to interact. So you can find me over there, ask questions, and I'd be happy to answer any thoughts or concerns that you might have. I love it. Thank you, as always, for your time. And uh, go Rangers. And before we get out of here, a special thank you to the band Stick Figure for allowing us to use today's intro and outro music.